Welcome to Small Business Big Network, the podcast for small business owners who want big results from their networking. I'm Liz Drury, a freelance voiceover artist who knows that if you're not working, then networking could help. Celeste R.R. is a trademark specialist, and she's known as the Empress of Trademarks. She says that networking is very important in her business and thinks that most of her referrals have come to her that way. Thank you very much for being my guest on the podcast today, Celeste. Thank you so much for having me, Liz. I'm looking so much forward to this. Now, I'm sure people have spotted straight away that you're not British. So tell us where you're from and how you came to be here. So uh, I was born originally in Denmark and um, I actually uh, lived abroad in my 20s. And uh, the one of the places that I lived was actually down in London. So... Mm. So I think that my soul just wanted me to come back here because I wasn't thriving in Denmark anymore, you see. And how long have you been in the UK now? So I've been here a little bit more than four years now. Right, very good. Now, you're a trademark expert, but what's your background? I say specialist. Specialist, fair enough, trademark specialist. But (laughs) what's your background? How did you get to be working in this, this field? So um, I started studying the law when I was 35 and I didn't start straight away because I managed to make myself believe along the way that I wasn't intelligent enough. Mm. Uh, So I suffered from comparisonitis and comparing myself to not just my older brother who had his arm twisted around to study the law, I also compared myself to our maternal grandfather who... who, um, created his own legal or founded his own legal empire. Mm. So so there was a lot of um, un- unhealthy comparison going on for me. Mm. And then when I turned 30, I realized, hang on, uh, I'm asking my older brother all these questions of a legal nature and he can't necessarily answer them for me. I'm going to have to do this myself. <laughs> and then <laughs> and then uh, and then uh, it took another four years to pluck up the courage to apply and then I got accepted for the following year so I was 35 when I got in and and studied the law and I I was like oh my goodness I have finally found what I am meant to do Mm. in life you know so yeah and where did you study um at the University of Copenhagen and and was it a long course to, to to qualify well, uh, considering the fact that I failed nearly all the subjects in the first year, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but you persevered, so clearly I it was did. something you felt really drawn to doing. Yes, absolutely. It uh, and 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 also the fact that I, you know, I had I had wanted to do it when I was younger. I just made myself believe I wasn't intelligent mm-hmm. enough. So obviously, the draw was there, or the mm-hmm. pull, or whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. But I just didn't. Didn't think I was intelligent enough. Stupidly, that was what I thought. You know, sillily, that was what I thought. Because I'm not, I'm not stupid actually. Um, but it's no. just a silly thing to to think, isn't it? That you know, we compare ourselves unfavorably to somebody mm. else. But then, what I actually did was I looked at um, women or young young women um, around me, actually at my equestrian club who had studied the law. Mm. And I was like, okay, she has studied the law and she's not more intelligent than me. <laughs> huh. If she can do it, then maybe so can I. And I did that with five different women in, in, in total. And um, and that was how I got the 
to the conclusion that maybe I can actually do this. And I did, and I totally loved it. And and so when I got to the master's degree, I decided to string it out a bit because the first three years are so massively and crazily intensive. Mm. And there's like so much to to read and so much to learn. And I didn't know at the time that I'm dyslexic. Right. If I had known that, I would have been given um, more um, time to sit yes. my exams yeah. and stuff like that. But I didn't know that until afterwards. Mm. Um, so so when I finally got that diagnosis, I was like, oh, yeah, OK, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> so once you'd, uh, once you'd done your degree and your master's degree and you qualified, was trademarking something you uh, immediately went to work in or was there something else in between? So I started out uh, actually while I was studying working for the artist's legal aid. Mm. I have uh, I come from a long line of creative and innovative people. My mother was a ceramic artist. Mm. My uh, paternal grandfather was uh, a painter. Uh, I have an uncle who's a film director. I have a cousin who's won La Pame d'Or in Cannes. He's a film director. I have another cousin who's a musician. I My maternal great-great-grandfather was uh, an actor and a playwright. Mm. Uh, my great-grandfather was an actor. My maternal great-grandfather was an actor. So, you know, it, it, it's... Mm. It's not something that's new to me, the the language of artists. Mm-hmm. I've I've been around artists my entire life and and so it made sense for me to start working for the artists legal aid. Um and I did that for nearly four years mm-hmm. and then when I was done with that I tried uh finding employment with various different law firms. To be completely honest, uh writing Job applications has never been my strong point. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I don't. I don't know the times that I have got jobs. I don't know why they picked me in particular. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't. I didn't get any um, job offers from any law firms, and I did get an, an internship with a law firm that I really wanted to work uh, for. Mm-hmm. And um, this lady uh, who gave me my the internship, she sat me down one day and said why do you want to be a solicitor? And I was like, well, uh, and I can't remember what I said, but, you know, I thought at the time mm. that that was what I had to do. Yeah. But she said, I think that it's actually to your advantage that you're not. And she may she may have not only just thought of who I am as a person, but also the fact that I wear collars. I wear strong collars, as you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I don't, I don't blend in with the wallpaper or mm-hmm. the carpet on the floor, so... So I think I, you know, when she said that, I took it to heart, and I was like, okay, she's right. You know, um, it is to my advantage that I'm not a solicitor, and also, you know, so many people feel that they can't really um, trust solicitors, and mm-hmm. you know, if you hand anything over to them, the 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 fees that you end up paying are astronomical, mm-hmm. and I'm somebody who's actually created different packages so that my clients don't get the unexpected um, fees at the end of it. And I take payment up front mm-hmm. so, so that they know what's, what's going on and, and what's, uh, what's what. So when did you start your business? How long ago now? <laughs> Eight years. <laughs> <laughs> and you're known, oh, certainly your title on LinkedIn, as the Empress of Trademarks. How did you come by that title for yourself? 
<laughs> so it was actually because um, a lot of people were referring to me as the queen of, queen of trademarks. And so obviously, <laughs> being me, I made a search and there's actually somebody in America who has registered queen of trademarks, but with the caveat that queen is generic and cannot be registered. So... So I thought, okay, well, I can't call myself that because I do not want to pass myself off that way mm. when when I know... And I know, you know, I'm not even going to try to register the Empress of Trademarks because, to me, that's just too generic. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it's just... It's just what people have referred to me as affectionately and... I quite like Empress, you know. Yeah, I think it's I think it suits you. So let, you. let's let's talk a bit about trademarks then. So, can you explain really simply what a trademark is? So a trademark is actually the um, the mark that helps distinguish your business from everybody else's business. It can also be referred to as um, uh, an island of exclusive no, an island of exclusivity in a sea of non exclusive rights. Mm. So it means that you've got this little little island actually where you can defend and protect all of your creations. So say for instance that you have this this podcast of yours, you might want to protect it a bit more than just you might want to protect it in, in a bit big stronger way than just Liz's podcast. Mm-hmm. So maybe you you get a logo created for it or maybe you even go say to me look Celeste I know that you have this academy where you help people find trademarks uh, I don't have any trademark can you help me and of course I will say yes Liz I can help you you know because I have the legal background so I know and understand what goes into a trademark and also in 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 the package goes either a sound mark or a graphic representation mm. so you get an awful lot out of the package mm. um, but I'm not here to promote that so <laughs> so I just wanted to 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 tell you about that uh, you could also say look Celeste I have this thing and um, could you could you help me uh, understand if this is something that I can register as my trademark and then I will have a look and then I will honestly tell you this is not something I can register. I may even use the word irregisterable. It's a word that I made up. <laughs> um, so it's not unregisterable. It's irregisterable. Mm. Um, and I haven't trademarked that either because I don't think I can. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what kind of things can't be trademarked then? Can you give us some examples? So anything that's generic. So say, for instance, um, we all are familiar with Apple and what they do, mm-hmm. right? Apple is a tech giant. It, they didn't start out as a giant, but they started out as a tech business. They were they were creating uh, computers back in the day only. And, and to begin with, um, Steve Jobs has wanted to have this very elaborate um, image of Sir Isaac Newton... Uh, sat at the foot of a, an apple tree with an apple dropping towards his head mm. and a lot of stuff written around the edge of it. But that is too difficult to have as, uh, to register as a trademark. First of all, it's not instantly recognisable. Mm-hmm. And second of all, you know, it it might have been too generic even. Uh, I don't, I can't remember what it, it looked like exactly, but 
I don't I don't think that was generic, but I think it was just that it wasn't instantly recognizable. Um, the long of the short story is that he then had an apple in his hand that he had just taken a bite out of. Mm-hmm. And he said, let's use this. Now, had he been somebody selling fruit, he wouldn't have been able to register it as a trademark, you see, mm. because that would be descriptive. So anything that's descriptive and generic, you cannot register as a trademark. So... Like Lissa's podcast, you even this, it's called Clean Feed, and they, they've put TM next to it. TM doesn't give you any kind of protection. Mm. So TM just signifies that it is, a, that they consider it a trademark. It isn't a registered one. Right. Um, so the R in the circle, like if you have, um, if you have a makeup bag and you rummage through it, you will, you can take out little, various little items I looked at my eyeliner the other day and there are little R's in circles on there and that means that it is a registered trademark. Mm-hmm. Those that have the TM, they haven't bothered ah. actually to register the trademark. That's the difference. Right, okay. So once something's been trademarked, what can or can't be done with that thing? So you can do an awful lot with it. Um As you know, I've written a book called Control Your Own Copyright Trademark and More. And on every single page of that book is my trademark. Mm. Because that way it's not only protected by the copyright legislation, it's it's also protected by my trademark. Mm -hmm. So at what point in a product development or product evolution should people start considering trademarking? They should consider it from the very beginning. Um... Because it is, and and a lot of these people who know and understand about uh, intellectual property in general, they are they they have IP portfolios as they're called, uh, and they they strategically use not only their trademark but also other types of intellectual property. So it depends very much on what kind of kind of business you have and what it is that you do. But say you were someone who had. Um, it's World Cancer Day tomorrow, and say you were somebody who had invented a new and exciting cure for cancer, hmm. then you would most certainly straight away consider taking out a patent for this, mm-hmm. first of all. Second of all, you would consider a trademark. And, of course, uh, for all the written material, you would have copyrights. So all of these different... And, and you might even have trade dress uh, in there as well and trade secrets so mm. there are a lot of things to consider and that there are a lot of a lot of reasons why you want to protect what you create because the whole point behind the legislation um the intellectual property legislation is to give a financial reward to those who innovate and create uh, in our society and and so all the medical companies, they have patents and they have trademarks. They have copyright clauses on all the written material they put out there. Um, and, and, and they do all these things together so that they have the strongest possible uh, shield of protection. Mm-hmm. If you remember my trademark, it's actually a coat of arms. And I mm-hmm. always point to that when I get to the point of having a strong shield of protection mm-hmm. because... Because it is, um, it is a shield of protection, and 
And then, of course, uh, once the trademark is registered and the, and the patent is is registered, then the trademarks need to ne trademark needs to be monitored mm. because you cannot leave it alone because um, there's only a two month opposition period in which to fight off infringers. Right. So you have to be really, really careful um, and not leave it alone. Mm. And uh, this is one of the things that I'm really excited about with uh, with blockchain because blockchain will make that part of the business so much easier for us because once something is on the blockchain, it cannot be tampered with mm -hmm. and um, not not in the unseen. Uh, and and it's it's really, really difficult to to register something that is already on the blockchain as as an infringement so it would be so much easier for, for me and people like me um when we have uh that kind of technology to help us um and i know that uh, wipo which is world intellectual property organization uh, they are working on it they have um recently uh, published a massive white paper. I've only read the um, executive summary of it and it's, it's really exciting, I feel, because it will also enable us to register trademarks, you know, much easier. Mm -hmm. So, um, and, and do it all over the world. At the moment, there are certain countries where, you know, I don't even know if I can, like in... In Africa, I, mm -hmm. I don't know if I can register trademarks there. Um, so, so it's really, really interesting and exciting times ahead. I feel. So, is trademarking something that's expensive to do, and and how long does the process take? So, um, if you are very, very brave, you can try yourself. Mm -hmm. However, I don't recommend that because you may not catch all of the different niche classifications that you actually require for your business. You know, if if you just take out one niche classification, well, if somebody else comes along and does something in a, and, and registered in a, in a different classification, then you might think, oh my goodness, I actually wanted that as well. Mm -hmm. And then you realize that you've made a mistake. Yeah. And once the money's got into the trademark, authorities system you cannot get it back no mm -hmm. matter what so i do not recommend that people do it on their own because they end up wasting time money and energy and mm -hmm. get frustrated in the into the bargain as well i have created um a blueprint if people don't want to pay for my services because my services are a high-end type service because i have never yet had a trademark rejected mm -hmm. i've had one that i needed to adjust but never one that was rejected. Mm. So that's why my services are high end. And if they don't want to pay me, then they can, of course, pay for the blueprint that I've created. It will also take them through, but it still won't be me, my knowledge, my expertise. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, it's part of my expertise, of course, but it's not entirely the same. So let's have a, a chat about networking now then. Is networking something that you do for your business? Oh, absolutely. I totally love it. Um, <laughs> and the networking group that you and I have met in is uh, the Creative Collective. And now people would think that for somebody who studied the law, that's not relevant. But as I said before, 
because I come from a long line of creative mm. and innovative people, I absolutely adore creative and innovative people. Plus, it's very important for them also to learn about intellectual property. Mm. Not that we have much time, you know, to, to present our businesses, but when we go into those smaller rooms and we talk, they will pick up stuff along the way yeah. and, you know, maybe they will buy my book or, you know, it. and that's that's fine. I'm not even looking for clients in that setting. I'm just looking to connect with these beautiful souls because that's how I see all of them. And, and you know, it's important to, to get this message out there because so many people just ignore it because they think, oh, my goodness, it's too complex. Mm-hmm. So yes, I do network and I do other networking groups as well. Uh, I'm I'm in quite a few. I'm in Athena mm-hmm. uh, and I'm in something called the Fab Network and I'm in something called Intonations, which I don't use much. Uh, and LinkedIn, of course, is one big mm. networking platform anyway, isn't it? Absolutely. Is business networking something that's popular in Scandinavia, do you know? Yes, very. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I did it in, in, in Denmark as well. And I know that they do it in Sweden too. So, And it wouldn't surprise me if they did it in Norway as well. So, yeah, no, it's, it's, it is, uh, it's, it's not a, a new thing. It's, it's a global thing. Yeah. So what, what difference would you say that networking has made to, to your business? So I get quite a few uh, recommendations from different, um, different groups that I'm in. So, so it makes a big difference. I think that that's actually the majority um, of my clients. They come from recommendations. So Mm -hmm. that's really interesting, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. It shows how important it is to go and do networking. Definitely. Yeah. What do you have any any tips you would like to give people on how to network well? How to network well, Um, I would say even if you're scared, just and it's difficult to say just, but <laughs> do it anyway because mm-hmm. it's it can feel scary. I know that because I'm a, I'm an ambivert, uh, and ambiverts l- prefer to sit in a corner with a book, <laughs> just like the introvert. Um, but then I also have the extroverted bit, which is like a persona that I take on, almost like if you were an actor or mm. an actress, and you you have this other persona that you go into to perform the part you know you, you it's like it's like that almost that you you take on this other persona and you go and do it and i know that it's difficult for very very introverted people because for them small talk is difficult mm-hmm. however i know that if you pay attention to yourself and you take care of yourself just try and single out other people who seem like introverts because that's the deep connections that you can make. Mm. Yeah, definitely. So if people want to find out more about you, Celeste, your your book, your blueprint, your academy, you've got so many things going on. What's the best <laughs> way for people to connect and get in touch with you? The very best way is LinkedIn, of course. Um, so my name is Celeste Reutemann-Reifen. I don't expect anyone to be able to pronounce my two it last names. It will be names. in the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> and my, I, I, I know that you, we are, you and I are connected on LinkedIn, so you can hopefully pop the yes. details for, for that in the show notes. 
But LinkedIn is definitely the best method of contacting me. Um, if uh, if people find my website, which is grandipr.dk, which is weird, um, but that was because I, I bought the domain while I still lived mm-hmm. in Denmark. I also have .uk and .co.uk. There's just no website up up there. So, and even though it's the DK, it is all in English. So don't worry about that. Lovely. Well, thank and my you. book is written directly in English as well. Oh, good. <laughs> that's good to know. <laughs> well, thank you very much for being my guest. Uh, that's been absolutely fascinating finding out about trademarks. And uh, mm. I look forward to seeing you at a networking meeting soon. Yes, me too. And thank you so much for having me. It was great honour to be here. I, uh, I really enjoyed the uh, experience. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Small Business Big Network. If you found this podcast useful, please do rate, review and subscribe. And don't forget to share it with the rest of your network too.